Continuing completed classics. Fulfilling failed franchises. Reinvigorating reviled rehashes. It's... The Follow-Up Showdown. Do it over October. <laughs> Happy Halloween to the uppers and good hollows eve to the downers and welcome to the follow-up showdown to nerds in quarantine where we give worthy second chapters to stories that don't have them. I am your host who controversially does not want to be done in by a sexually transmitted murder curse, Paul Getz, and with me are the hosts that cook up their own homemade Hello. murder curses on a regular basis, Travis McMaster and Lauren Picorni. Hello! <laughs> if this is the first time you're joining us, the way it works is we take a movie without a decent sequel or a sequel at all and go out of our own individual ways to try and pitch the best possible one. And our guest today is socially distant, yet still so very near. He is a former scare actor at Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights and a Disneyland Entertainment cast member, as well as my neighbor, Jason Pugh. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How's it going, Paul? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. All the way over across the way here. Uh, yeah. It's just fine. Um, are you in a hot room? I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm not in the coolest room. In the house. It's a little toasty. Um, it's a it's a bit of a sound booth, so the AC is not getting in here at all, mm -hmm. and neither is out, outside sound. So that's cool. It's a fun little trade off. But I have a nice cool horchata with me, so that helps. Ooh, that sounds fantastic. Very nice. I got regular old stupid water, but oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I have uh, piping hot coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that cools you down. I don't need it. Got AC and a little fan on. We keep so. the apartment at a brisk 78 degrees. I'm actually wearing a sweater because hmm. I was a little chilly after lunch. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Uh, we are uh, playing different games here. Oh, by the way, uh, we've got a new neighbor. I'm sure you've seen, Jason, right across mm -hmm. the hall from us. They've been there a couple days, but just as of today, the whole building smells uh, like weed smoke. So I finally know they're cool. Yeah. Uh, dang. Thank God. <laughs> Uh, let me float something by it because we were discussing that here in our apartment. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to, as a welcome to the complex gift, because we mm -hmm. miss the the last people who have moved in since us. But I th I wanted to get them a pineapple, which is a traditional housewarming gift. And mm -hmm. Sierra said that due to COVID, that might be an odd choice as a welcome present. Well, you well, peel it. You're not just like biting right into right, this like, tiny, you know, yeah. tiny core. It's far too sharp to just dive in there. A secured yeah. fruit, definitely. Yeah. And I have heard of that tradition. Um, I guess what I would say is not necessarily that the pineapple is an odd choice for the COVID environment, but any type of uh, welcome to the complex gift giving, but it might be a strange time for, an for any of that. True. But very, very kind of you. Very Good to know. Great. I'm taking it all under advisement. <laughs> Put it I would feel like a pineapple, and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty high on the spectrum of fear for COVID, and I'd, I'd be okay with receiving a pineapple. So okay. if that's helpful yeah, at all, <laughs> maybe I'll give it like two or three months to decide, and then I'll give them the welcome <laughs> gift, and they'll be like, "Have you not seen us around? Like we're here every day." 
uh, the movie we're talking about, at Jason's suggestion, is 2015's new horror classic, It Follows. So why don't we start there, Jason? Why did you pick this movie? I remember when it came out, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was very much like my circle of friends all appreciated it. And I think the thing that I like about it the most is that it's such just a clear-cut, like, hypothetical situation played out on screen. Like, the scene where she's tied to the wheelchair and, uh, what is his name, Hugh explains the how the monster works. That's the entire, like, elevator pitch that the, the writer of the movie came up with. And then it was just, and then stuff happens. And I just yeah. like... I think I just enjoy hypotheticals. And so it's just like, this is a girl trying to survive this hypothetical horror scenario. It's like a kind of Tales from the Crypty. I don't recall Tales from the Crypt ever taking its time the way this movie did. This movie did well, a lot of... Well, that's because Tales from the Crypt was only 20 minutes long, Paul. Right. I understand that it's a... They I did do movies. A while. I thought I had to... <laughs> <laughs> this is an excellent time then to... Uh both for the listeners and to satiate you, Travis, go into the Minute with McMaster. A Minute with McMaster. Let me know when you're ready, bud. Okay, I'm ready. <clears throat> and go. Uh, so a high school-aged girl, um, typical high schooler, maybe in the 80s, um, goes on a date with a pretty charming, basic-looking boy. Um, he acts a little bit weird. They bug off halfway through the date. They have teenager sex in the back of a car. Then he chloroforms her, ties her to a wheelchair, and lets her know that something, and it, will look like a person and just walk towards her. And if it gets to her, it kills her. Uh, he shows her this in the parking garage. It proves that it's real. Then he drives her home, drops her off, and she kind of has to figure it out from there. Uh, convincing her friends that this is indeed real, um, all while staying alive. And this, it presents itself as different spooky looking, but banal people. Um, and then that, that's it. She just runs from it until eventually. No, that's just it. She just runs from it until eventually the movie ends. I mean, it changes hands a few times because there was a couple of deaths and she has sex with the person, but guys, I think that's the whole movie. Hmm. Okay. I would like to say... apologize to the devotees for a disappointing minute. <laughs> I would say that it's uh, perhaps arguable that she kills the the it. You don't know. I guess it is sort of open to interpretation. But in oh. the end, it's unknown whether or not it's been stopped. That was my uh, read was uh, Paul had a different read than I did. Oh, but I guess that's fair. It could have been. It has not been stopped. But it could have been read that way that it died in the pool. Oh, yeah. Because there's it's someone following after the pool scene. Yeah, I just, I just assumed that person first. following them was you're, it. You're just used to quarantine. There's normally people on the street. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think yeah they they put that person there at the end as sort of a question mark. Oh. But I, think, I did notice that like right before it cuts, that person in the back starts to wobble a little bit. <laughs> Mm. Oh, it's like, like the inception. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I did not. I did not think about that at all. I just assumed that they just had accepted that there was going to be someone walking behind them for the rest of their lives. Again, that's a very 2020 attitude. I can't help it. You know, it's hard to accept that a magical curse being could be brought down by a bullet to the head. 
But I guess the fact that the pool completely fills with blood in the end is maybe magical enough to imply that it worked. Uh, I would say my big argument against that would be when it gets because it gets shot in the neck earlier on and then Mm -hmm. dies for like two seconds and then just keeps on trucking. So I think I don't think the pool would dramatically change the effects of a bullet. Um, I mean, not to not to just check the movie's math, because that's no fun. But I do just sort of have some questions about how we all think the it monster works. Like, Mm -hmm. is it just one thing that changes form? Is it um, I guess my question is, if I see it behind me and then I get on an airplane and fly to another continent, is Mm. it going to appear on the airplane while I'm in the air or is it going to have to walk across the ocean floor? I have an answer to this from the direct writer director. Uh, Did he put it in the movie? (laughs) <laughs> that, that's that specific question. That very oh. specific question. Oh. Uh, the so director, basic. David Robert Mitchell, said in an, inter- in an interview that the monster could potentially board a plane in order to follow the cursed person. Oh, wait, are you telling me that this it thing would go to a ticket booth and, like, drool its way through a conversation, like a Frankenstein, and get a boarding pass and, like, wait Who and piss and it? moan? Well, I it, think it would, it would just standing look at departures. They just look at departures and then just wander onto the next well, plane, which is hopefully it, not too long after. It's invisible to everyone who is not cursed. Okay, so it right. could wander onto a plane but and they, then sit there. We're getting the Bernie's territory, though. I think Travis's ultimate question is: Can it um, teleport? Or I don't believe walk? so. I don't no, think it so. has to walk it either. I it think has yeah. to walk. But I do agree with you that it's. The idea of it walking across the ocean floor is much cooler than it Not waiting I, to get on a plane. That is what you said. Well, I just, I, I don't want to, I didn't say that that would necessarily be cooler. I'm not ready to make oh, okay. those designations yet. I'm just putting some feelers out, just drawing some lines in the sand. I think the answer that I would find most entertaining is it does not sink to the bottom and just slowly tries to swim and just gets like caught up in like ocean currents. So it's mm. like, oh, geez, like it just landed on that island by accident. And then it's like, oh, no, now it's in the jet stream. Just so it just lost. gets blown around the ocean oh, until man. it gets near enough to walk towards you. Oh, I wish. Oh, I, wow. I wish so my pitch could be um, Castaway, but instead of Tom Hanks, it's an it monster. It's just some hollow <laughs> eyed naked dude. But I do like that. It never it never gives up. Uh, so potentially once the currents were kind could get to you after decades. Yeah. Uh, oh, that is beautiful, Paul. That's an interesting idea. Um, I, I, I guess now, having put it under the microscope, just waiting to board a plane is a better better call for it. I mean, if it's clever enough to start throwing the electrical devices into the pool, yeah. I suppose it can think things through a little bit. It's on the it's, airplane. Where is it standing that it's out of the way? And again, I'm not trying to poke fun at the movie. I just want to know, is it like a David Lynch thing where, hey, don't ask those kinds of questions? Or I guess not. The director had an answer. An answer to that part. Yeah, but it is interesting, the idea of it having to, like, as the uh, flight attendant walks down the aisle, go like, like tuck into an aisle so that it doesn't run into it. You know, I think it's a safe assumption that every empty seat on an airplane is occupied by an it follows monster. That is horrifying. It's it's like, whoa, there's something on. I just sat on someone's lap. (laughs) Uh, you know, not much to find in the way of uh, trivia uh, for this movie because it's from a pretty new writer director, um, Robert David Mitch, David Robert Mitchell. I apologize. Um, 
his other feature, he's got some shorts, but his other feature film is called Under the Silver Lake, which he released after It Follows. Um, it's a mystery thriller, and it sounds pretty intriguing. And We were just uh, talking about that. It's on Amazon Prime for free. Oh, neat. Yeah. That's nice. the Andrew Garfield one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony was, Tony was on me to watch that. Of, of Chris and Tony fame. Of Grease fame. <laughs> well, uh, sort of as you brought up, Travis, in your minute and question whether or not this movie takes place in the 80s, the time frame of this movie is intentionally ambiguous so that it resembles a dream. A lot of uh, the basis for this movie, like the, the, the whole basis for this movie was a recurring dream that the writer-director had as a kid. Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> yeah. but, but his, his dream was that he made a horror movie called It Follows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a huge hit. It was a huge hit, by the way. It cost $2 million, made $223 million worldwide. Wow. But yes, uh, so the, the cars are specifically from different eras all over the place. They created that clamshell cell phone as a way of just sort of keeping it questionable as to when she replaced Yeah, cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought that was cool. And it was actually not something I noticed the first time I saw this movie. Um, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Paul? That I hadn't noticed? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you guys Where remember that from the first time you saw it? Yeah, it was one of the things I uh, I liked about it. It's a pretty make-or-break <laughs> detail, I would say. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I mean, first yeah. time I saw it, the entire audience stood and applauded when, she, when we first saw the shell phone. So I huh. think that's a big indicator of the effect of shell phones. True. I feel like I would be so confused by that. Like, whoa, whoa what's <laughs> is this like a midnight movie with rules? Uh, <laughs> this is my second time seeing it. Same. The first time I saw it, it had been very hyped, you know, new, new modern classic. And I love the premise. So, you know, I was I was I was buckled in. And uh, my feelings on it the first time were I, I think I went in. I went in too critical. I went in. Uh, ready to love absolutely everything about it. And then when I had things that stuck out to me that, uh, that weren't riding that wave, I, I became, I became Quentin Tarantino about it. And what I mean by that specifically is that the writer director Quentin Tarantino has publicly praised slash denounced this movie in a vulture interview in which he said, the premise for it is so good that it bothers me that it falls short of being great. Mm. Um, and went on to complain about it breaking its, its own rules that it sets up for itself. Do you with what? know what rules he might be referring to? One is that in the beginning of the movie, Hugh sees a girl in a yellow dress and points her out several times and is told several times that she's not there before he becomes afraid because it's not believable to him that he would be, he would see an it and not recognize it as an it because uh, they all sort of have that vacant expression. Overruled? Also strange that only that time it would be in a yellow dress, although I guess it could have been far enough away that he couldn't see that the yellow dress was sagging or something. I, I feel like it prefers nakedness or dirty underwear clothes. But, but not always. Like, what's-his-face's mother or the person? No, she had an mm -hmm. open robe. Oh, it was open. Uh, that's true. Uh, in the beach scene, it was one of her friends, I think. Wearing Sister, yeah. one no, of it's her friend with the shell phone. Was that her sister? Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't figure. They're I guess it's her... hard to tell because they all sleep in the same places the whole movie. Yeah, I uh, thought really. they were friends, but yeah, it's like shell phone girl. 
Right. Yeah. And then in the pool scene, when it's her dad, I think he, he has clothes. He's wearing like sweatpants yeah. or something, but I don't think yeah, it's like a, it's like sleeveless t-shirt and sweatpants. Yeah, yeah you're right. It, yeah. You know, Although, it's, it prefers to be comfortable. That's for sure. Uh, what yeah. I think is funny about the clothing thing is early on when she's in the wheelchair and he's giving plot exposition to us, his two main takeaways are it's very slow, but it's not dumb, which is great advice mm -hmm. that they forget mm -hmm. later on. And then the other one is it chain shape into whatever helps it get close to you. That seems wildly off base. It seems like yeah. yeah, I mean, like one of the things about the movie that like uh, falls short for me is that if it's if this creature can look like anything, I don't think it adds to the fear that it looks like scary stuff. I think it would actually be scarier if this looked like a normal person you could see anywhere and they blend in. I can appreciate the idea that because it is this sort of evil entity, it's always going to look at least a little bit off. Like, I, I mean, like, they it's normal people, but they're naked and they're drooling or they're urinating or they're something. Like, I like I kind of like that added detail, but I do, it, it was also not consistent. So if it can take the form of something that's going to help it get close to you, I don't think it, 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 at least in terms of what we see, usually does. Except for in the case of Greg, when it's his mother. And that is what allows it to kill him so easily. Do you, did you guys, to me, it looked like the form it took when breaking into his house was him. Is yeah, that, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that. Jay very much hesitated when she saw it on the street and it seemed like yeah. it was like, oh, what's he up to right now? And then I love the body language of him when he like knocks on the door and then casually just like stumbles over to pick up a rock and then yeah. just dives through the window. Just a yeah, wonderful very... like new zombie motion. Yeah. Well, and I also like the implication that it chose the form of him to fool her. Because if, if that is what's helping it get close to him, I don't know who that benefits other than her, because she's the only one who can see it. That's true. I kind of think the only way to justify the shape-shifting choices is that they're not choices at all. I yeah. think Hugh misinterpreted that, because if you're trying to, like, get close to a girl who's hiding in her bedroom, I would say, like, a 6'5 guy with no eyeballs is not going to do the trick. Yeah, for real. Like, and the the monster demonstrates is pretty smart, and I don't think mm -hmm. that that is a super smart choice. I assume <laughs> that it's like a passive power that it just kind of is shape shifting as it cruises through its eternal life, not choosing to do these things. I would, yeah, I guess I would, we. I would interpret it more as like a creature's natural defense. Well, and it, mm. we do see it shape shift multiple times within seconds when it's attacking her on the beach and in the shed and none of those, except for the one that looks like her sister or, and or friend, none of those seem to be specific to helping it get to her. Mm -hmm. It's like a little boy. And then it's a, and then it's a different girl. The only moment really that sticks out to me is just not working and only being in there for the sake of a scare is when it's naked on the roof of her house, when they're uh -huh. pulling away from the house and it's it's that's, a naked man on the roof. That's why I had the teleportation question, because I couldn't figure out why it would be crawling over the top of the house. Yeah. Ooh, or alternate pitch. That wasn't the It Follows monster. That was just a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the spinoff movie. That guy. Yeah. 
It's called Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking when I watched that, like how that audition room for casting that role went. Are you willing Um, to be naked? Yeah. All right. You're in. All right. Put your pants back on. You got it. Uh, um, A couple other rules confirmed by the writer director, just in case you're interested. Um, The only other one is that uh, neither a condom nor same gender sex would stop the monster. Not that I thought they would. I well, but. I had that question because I don't. They don't really go outside of heterosexual penis and vagina sex in the movie. So mm-hmm. I don't. I I didn't. I did have the question if a same sex couple had sex, if it would if it would arrive. And also, does it? What does sex mean? Yeah, I get, I, when is it not sex? Is it orgasm dependent? If no one has an orgasm, does it count? I was thinking about that as well. And it's like if the person needs to have an orgasm to receive it, that would be kind of. A hilarious subplot if, like, Paul at the end is incapable of getting rid of it. He's like, What's going wrong? I've had sex with so many people. Like, oh, buddy. Oh, oh, I related so much to that character and not just because of the name. Um, <laughs> uh, my assumption would be that penetration is necessary for the curse of, of, uh, of anything, of a lower, sex- lower, lower body orifice. Below ah, the so. Well, okay, so the listeners, <laughs> the listeners can do their own. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can, we didn't talk about if we, how we feel about the movie mm. individually. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, this time around, I liked it uh, more. I was far less critical, and I didn't really notice uh, all that many plot holes. I mean, like the first time watching it, I had those same sort of um, initial frustrations with how anybody was acting or responding and why, you know, like, why aren't you picking up on everything I've picked up on already? You know, like, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Like, uh, and that's just sort of a, uh, a horror movie thing, right? I mean, that's something you sort of got to deal with. This time around, I didn't, I didn't really have much of that. I, I, they're, they're pretty smart. They're pretty capable. And it's a pretty odd situation. I had seen it also having, it had been very hyped up for me before mm-hmm. um so i watched it and had felt a lot of pressure watching it because i was watching with a friend who really liked it um and i didn't i didn't really like it and i was hoping i was excited to watch it again um and i was hoping i would like it more but i found myself having like the same kind of experience with it i'm like it, it feel like it wasn't quite there i don't think that they were quite achieving what they thought they were achieving i i didn't care for it still you didn't like it no Fair enough. Okay. I did. I liked, it. I liked it the first time. Um, I liked it this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it's really slick looking. I think it's a pretty simple concept that's very, very spooky. The spooky parts are very, very spooky. Maybe the math doesn't all completely add up. And yeah, I get a little bit bored, you know. It's a perfectly fine spooky movie. It's not going to knock your socks off, but it's a good time. That's how I feel about It Follows. But It Follows is like, it's got its really funky little thing it's doing so i'll always take a a nice c plus b minus movie that's trying something mm. than like a standard movie that's doing great because mm. i'm not really one for like modern horror movies that have a lot of jump scares in them and that's why mm. i appreciate a lot of old horror movies and this feels like an old horror movie yeah. where one just like i love the sound design and the music throughout the entire thing the scary music mm. and it's wonderful. And then, like, I'm not 
jumping and screaming when the monster appears, but every time it's like, ooh, that was spooky. I am yeah. I am afraid of you. Good. And that's the reaction <laughs> yeah. that I look for in horror movies. It's not an actual scream, but uh, uh, yes, a quality scare. Well, so jumping back to what you were referring to with the music, mm. a fun fact I have about that is it was all written and scored by a band name called Disaster Piece, who did the score for a video game called Fez, which the director was a big fan of, and that is why he sought them out. Uh, oh, yeah, interesting. Cool. I, I do like the music. That's that's really cool, cool music. Agreed. I don't know the game. I don't know the band, but I know I like the score. So perhaps I'll look into some of that. Um, all right. Well, before we start getting into the uh, questions and the pitches and all that good nonsense, I wanted to note that a sequel for this movie is oft, often discussed because it was such a big hit. Uh, it's entirely possible that we will get one one day. Um, the co-president of Radius TWC, the production company behind it, announced that the studio is looking into a possible sequel and expressed the idea of flipping the concept of the first film around with Jay or another protagonist going down the chain to find the origin of it. Oh. Ooh. Um, however, the writer-director has said he's not interested in that, so I, I don't know That's where cool. he would be coming from with it. That's a cool yeah, concept. I kind of agree. Uh, we'll, see, yeah. we'll see in the pitches, but I, I don't know how I feel about actually learning about where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's spookier. Like if I you, if I find out it was made in a government lab or something, they're just going, yeah, all right. Yeah, moving super smoothly into the questions: Should this movie have a sequel? Or yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah. so. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna break even here and say nah as well. <laughs> I'll see it for sure. But, but I should deny its existence if given the opportunity. Uh, artistically, Denying. I would say they, they did their job. They paid off their concept, and while I would watch it, I don't know that it was dying for a second. Because right. I don't want to see those leads die, you know? Paul, no one has to die for there to be a sequel. It could be anything. We could do It Follows in Ireland, and it could just be, you know, you know it could be that. And then our, well, our people are... Uh, Alive I, somewhere. Well, I think the implication is that there's one it, as the guy says. He could have it wrong, but there's one it, and it has to go through the line to get anywhere else. I'm just saying if you want to protect your characters, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. <laughs> Cole Barry. I kind of think that if the the writer-director of a movie has to answer movies about the like plot questions about the movie in an interview and not in the movie, then there's space for a sequel or prequel. That's true. Like, and yeah, I'm like, what if you get on a plane? Then we can show the audience what happens if someone gets on a plane, you know? And then you can just throw all the unanswered questions about the hypothetical into another movie. Well, yeah. and I could certainly see there being room for more scary, suspenseful um, sequences involving the same concept that were unlike what we saw in the movie. I would say maybe my favorite scene in the movie, especially the first time, was uh, was the beach scene and being shown what it looks like to people who can't see it. Like, mm. I wonder if they would spend the whole movie not answering that question, and then the fact that they did was pretty interesting. 
I liked that there was an invisible force that threw the guy and pulled her hair. And I guess I liked that too, but I, I would like not having that answer as well. You know, because this movie is already not answering so many questions, almost intentionally. Like, it doesn't want you to worry about that. It wants you to just kind of, like, go on the emotion of it. So I kind of, <clears throat> for this particular movie, didn't need that. But I agree, it was awesome. Well, first question explored well enough. Into the next, if you're going to do it, sequel or prequel, what's the sweet spot? I'm going to say prequel just because that's what I'm doing. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I'm doing a prequel as well, so I, I say prequel. But I think because of its, like, timeless nature of how they're only watching black and white movies, but she has the shell phone, um, I don't think the difference necessarily matters because... Mm -hmm. As long as the monster doesn't isn't dead by the end of your movie, then okay, then it's either one. I would I would I didn't think about the timeless nature of it. I was gonna say you could do a prequel or a sequel if you wanted to ignore the like origins. You could easily just do another. It follows storyline somewhere else, or you could follow these characters, or you could go two thousand years in the past if you wanted. Okay, mine's a sequel. Yours a sequel. Okay, yeah. Because I feel like a prequel a, a prequel is going to answer some questions and for this movie i don't really want any questions answered i kind of like swimming i agree with that to some extent while i while i do well i just said i liked that they answered the one question i felt like that was a question that added to it was you were able to bring everybody else in on it because if the whole thing had been only she sees it only she deals with it and the rest of them are sort of all uh, helping her, but wondering if it's real. Like, I, I appreciated that you didn't have to worry about something like that. Because I get a little tired of uh, plots where the whole thing is, we believe you, oh my god, like, but do we? Like, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. It is hard watching a character spend so much time convincing other characters of <clears throat> things we've seen. Right. True. And I very much dislike when the, the neighbor boy, um, not... The young Paul, but the other one with Greg. the long hair. Yeah. Um, Greg? I think so, yeah. He came in hot with one of the things I don't like about the movie, with the horror mentality of, like, I don't know what's happening, but I know it's not that. Right. Like, well, if yeah. you don't know what's happening, we can't rule out an invisible monster, because you don't have a better explanation right now, Greg. Um, Especially because that that was preceded by something I did like that they did, in that Paul said... Something threw me through the air, and that chair stopped in midair. Like, these are tangible examples that say invisible monster. You know what I mean? Like, so for him to deny it after being, like, I like that they pointed those things out because in another movie, they'd be like, I don't know what I saw, you know? Whereas hmm. in this, like, that's what happened, you know? I yeah. feel like maybe I'm dumb. I feel like maybe the movie is, I, I feel like the movie's trying to make a point I can't get. Like when I watch the Babadook, I sort of I think I get it's about like survivor's guilt and trauma and passing that on and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. With this movie, I'm like, sex, definitely something there. Teenagers, it, it's family. Is it puberty? Like, I don't know what it's saying. And I'm not sure if it is even is saying anything beyond scary, scary. It's interesting because, like, uh, you know, everything I've seen from the director has essentially been like, you know, it's based on a nightmare I had. A lot of people read into it as being about sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, the direct writer-director says he's fine with that, but it wasn't his intention. Basically, the way he puts it is, 
Uh, to me, it's dream logic in the sense that they're in a nightmare, and when you're in a nightmare, there's no solving the nightmare. Jay opens herself up to the danger through sex, and sex is the one way in which she can free herself from that danger. We're all here for a limited amount of time, and we can't escape our morality, but love and sex are two ways in which we can at least temporarily push death away. So I basically, I don't think he had, like, it's nice to hear that, really, in, in one yeah. case. Just be like, I had a spooky idea, and I, and I made it. I like, I like that a lot, because I don't, I don't always like trying to fi figure out a movie. Not but to sound too much like an idiot, but sometimes I just want to watch a movie that's like a weird movie yeah. that doesn't mean anything. And I can just sort of enjoy, you know, the David Lynch of it all. I was going to say, I have a, a question about the monster. Does it bone all its victims to death or was that just like a special oh. thing that one guy? This is one thing I did want to say. I liked the way that looked. I liked that it looked so weird. I liked that mm. it looked... I mean, it looked sexual, but it also looked alien almost in a sense because of the light and stuff. I wish it had been a little more gruesome, especially given how the body looks at the beginning when the girl's yeah. legs are snapped off and all that kind of stuff. I kind of I shouldn't fault a horror movie for not being as gruesome as it could. But I, th I think it could have pushed it a little further. Paul, I actually agree with you on that one in that it's it was strange that the guy Greg died before the creature started yeah, grinding yeah. on him and it was yeah. like oh he's he's not his soul isn't even like present for this that's true or black yeah. like, like it less scary in a sense because like oh well he's at least dead so he doesn't have to watch this happen to himself yeah there's no screaming or anything i mean i guess mm -hmm. well yeah and he never even had to live with the fear of it all whereas that girl right. that we see at the beginning annie she essentially sacrificed herself to it just to not have to live in the nightmare anymore yeah, that is. Oh, yeah. that's another thing I really liked about this movie. Is it how much of the environment you were in? It would show you. It was always swinging the camera all the way around, yeah. and it at no point makes you feel safe. You're always you just feel exposed and horrible the whole time. Yeah, I also particularly loved the camera work in the wheelchair scene, mm -hmm. how it would spin around with it and all that kind of stuff. That was really cool. Um, all right, well, let's get into these pitches. I definitely feel like we should start with some prequels. Anyone want to go first? Guests can go first. We do offer that. Uh, Jason, Jason. So, you're not going to believe me, and I need you to remember what I'm saying. We'll start with the title then. Uh, brief disclaimer, not a direct prequel. Mm. More of a Cloverfield, this takes place in the same universe. And it doesn't necessarily factor in immediately, but you'll notice that it takes place in the same universe. Sweet. So, title, The Followed. Mm. And the page. Sarah and John Blackburn are traveling west in search of prosperous opportunity along the Oregon Trail. Sarah hopes that the possibilities of the West Coast and the imminent arrival of their first child will relieve the recent tensions of her and John's marriage. These hopes begin to sour as John becomes haunted by visions of terrifying pursuers tracking their path. As John's symptoms of lunacy worsen, he decides to split his family from their traveling party, isolating the pair as they approach the snow-capped Rocky Mountains. With only the last major hurdle ahead, Sarah must decide if the gravest threat facing her and her unborn baby is the cold, her delusional husband, or the phantom figure they race to avoid. Whoa. 
spooky can I yeah. say? Yeah. Moving forward, everyone's pitch should be that good. That was one of the <laughs> structured pitches that we have ever had on the show. Mm-hmm. That was well, great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well done. Weird fun fact about it is I came up with the name Sarah and John Blackburn offhand, and then I Googled it to make sure that I wasn't stealing it, like anyone's names. Turns out, according to Wikipedia, John Blackburn was a British horror author in the mid-1900s who was known for blending genres, mostly sci-fi or detective, with supernatural thrillers. And I did yeah. not know that upon writing the name. Mm. So I had a definition on that one. Uh, it, that's great. Those are great names, too. Great horror movie names, for sure. Really, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, a very, that's a really cool pitch. I like that. It's a great name, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Because well, I think... Yeah, I just I think changing the time period adds a whole different lens to yeah. what the creature is doing and your problem and your problem solving techniques and what your options are for escaping it, mm-hmm. and also believing yeah. it is even a little bit harder. Um, I mean, or easier. Oh yeah, that's true. That's very. Yeah, you can back back then they would just look at a walrus and go like, oh, it's Satan himself. <laughs> yeah. Never go to that island. <laughs> and it's literally just a fifty. 50 50 like oh no he's insane so just lock him up somewhere or it's like oh this is a fact now and satan is following me in walrus form (laughs) nice uh well good luck everyone else i know right (laughs) who'd like to go next paul i'll go next oh lauren lauren's going shut up paul um Mm -hmm. i did i did some ooh something kind of similar okay my turn okay i gotta i gotta cold open and then i'll do like the beats so there's a man riding a horse through the forest. He's wearing, like, old garb. I'd say it's set around, like, maybe the 1700s, 1800s. Um, he's clearly exhausted, as is his horse, which collapse. Oh. Um, collapses suddenly. Hate to see that. Um, he he uh, continues running desperately. He climbs a tree and tries to keep it, in, uh, like, a lookout, but he falls asleep. He wakes the sound of a snapping branch, and he looks around wildly. He doesn't see anything. So he sort of like goes back to sleep. Then he hears scraping of bark, looks down to see a bloodied, gaunt-looking man reaching for him from the branch below. He screams. Cut to black. Title. Ooh. It followed. <laughs> uh, I did not know that was the title. <laughs> I changed it. Um, okay, so... We're back in a town. Everyone's talking about the disappearance of a man recently. Uh, they don't know what happened to him. He left suddenly. His sweetheart um, is distraught and on edge, jumping at seemingly nothing. She takes comfort in her male friend, has sex with him, and as they're lying in bed together, she tells him the ghost story she'd heard about a heretic 50 or so years back. The heretic preached celibacy and how sinful sex is. The townsfolk finally got fed up with his loud and constant harassment and killed him, torch and pitchfork style, creating an angry, vengeful spirit that preys on the sinful. The friend wakes up the next day to find the sweetheart has gone. She's disappeared from town entirely, it would seem. The friend is then publicly attacked later that day. He doesn't see who does it because they come up from behind. Everyone around him looks on in confusion, but does nothing. The friend manages to escape the attack and sees it's a person he's never seen before. But when no one will help him fight, he runs away. When he gets back to his house, the town preacher is waiting for him. He says he'd seen the attack and wants to help. Um, The preacher is aware of this entity 
and advises the friend to leave town and keep moving moving and if his consciousness his conscious allows consider passing it on to someone else the friend does it he says and le leaves the town uh later we catch up with uh the sweetheart she has you know been living her life for some time whatever uh she sees an unfamiliar person following her and it's it ends I'm sorry, this is a terrible pitch. That's no, that's <laughs> <laughs> Meaning like that it. it has killed the man and it's coming back after her again. Of course. Oh, nice. I like that the preacher is the voice of reason. Just like, hey, I know this ghost, just have sex and move on. Like, yeah. And it's like, that's the priest <laughs> delivering that <laughs> rational logic. Why? How come you decided to change it from the um, other title? I think the original title was uh, It Has Always Followed. No, that's not like it that. at all. Um, I'm going to step <laughs> in now. She had called it It Follows Heretic. Oh. Because oh. The, uh, the ghost story about, Ooh. and then the, you know, the, the, the T in It Follows would be a cross, and we were going to get Clancy Brown to play the heretic in um, you know, flashback ghost story form. He really wanted Ooh. Clancy Brown for the story. Clancy <laughs> Brown should be in most stories. Somewhere. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Absolutely. All right, well, I'm going to go, and I'm going to have... Well, no, let, go ahead. let me go, because my pitch is like half a sentence dribble. Yeah. All your pitch has to do is uh, tie its shoes without falling over, and you're going to do better than mine. Hey, I have an idea. What? So my... Oh, God, it broke down so fast. The, the only thing I could think of with the pitch is because we could see... We could see it, and you could like throw a sheet over it. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Oh, okay, so we can throw it in a pool." So my thought was like, the the sequel picks up the exact same moment that the movie ends with the kids holding hands and stuff, and then woo woo woo, federal vans and army guys just show up out of nowhere, grab them both, throw them into a van, and whisk them away. Um, there's like an interrogation process, an interview process, a um, really uncomfortable sex scene, um, and now. We essentially have weaponized it follows monster and it's in the hands of the government and they can use it to like target, you know, marks and stuff. They send out these sexy spies who are have the mark of it follows and um, it is just the perfect infiltration system. Uh, basically, the aliens who it follows is alien. Um, but then I, I like I said earlier, I broke down when I had to sit down and go like, so is there a scene with like a sex spy in a lab and the it follows monster walks into a glass box and a scientist closes the box and then they start like writing stuff on clipboards and so that was yeah so my basic it falls apart if you look at it even a little bit close but I think was you got your title what it falls apart it falls ah! apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it'll be called it falls wow. apart and um i i would probably if pressed to write an actual follow through plot there would be something with like the destabilization like now world leaders know about this they can't trust literally anyone they see the whole world falls apart because there's one one it follows sex monster out there and no one knows who who's last on the list it'd be nice to have one thing to pin the world falling apart on i suppose <laughs> uh... between it's between um children of men and it follows would be my movie where we learn that humanity stops having sex because they're afraid of a slow walking naked person. Well, <laughs> in your pitch, does it imply that there are multiple of these things at some point or it, it is just a one? 
No, it would just be the one still. I'm sure at some point I would either at the very, very end of the movie or at the beginning of the third act flip some bonkers science switch and go, oh, no, mm. there's lots mm. of them. And then, or maybe I would call the movie It's It's Follows. Yeah. I don't know. Stupid. Oh, That's don't not, let them follow that. you into the cloning machine. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right now, my vat of embryos. It, it follows. <laughs> What was the original title? I'm just curious. Oh, God, I don't, I think... Uh, the ri- no, originally, okay. before I had any pitch, I was working backwards from It Follows Through, and I could not think of a reason <laughs> that that title made sense. So then I just came up with the, like, I militarized... Mean, basically, Killing Jay would be It Following Through. Because, I mean, yeah. as far as the audience is concerned. All right, well, mine is a sequel as well. And uh, here's what I have. I got one too. What the fuck? Paul and Jay have moved to another country. I'm going to be vague about that country, but just like they were vague about the timeline. It's just a foreign place. That'll show them. It, it finds them. Uh, Paul does everything he can to put himself in front of the girl he loves, but he still cannot see it. And so it successfully kills Jay. And I'll explain that, the why of that, later. Um, Paul cannot accept this, and though Jay's sisters, or sister and friend, <laughs> try to talk him out of it, he goes to find Jeff, who introduced himself as Hugh, but his real name was Jeff. Right. Uh, he does so, and stealthily incapacitates him. He gives him a chance to offer more information on the girl who passed it to him, but Jeff is only to remember, only able to remember the name and location of the bar that he that he talks about. Basically, Paul waits there with him, keeping him a prisoner essentially until it shows up and he watches it kill Jeff. Uh, so the rest of the movie is Paul following clues back through the timeline, finding his way back and back and back to, uh, and allowing it to kill people so that he can find his way back to the source. He ultimately does find his way to the source, who is a, uh, it's a woman. She is into witchcraft and satanic uh, type type of stuff and was spurned by a man or obsessed with a man. She's not well. Uh, She found this curse, she took it too far, she unleashed it upon the world. However, when Paul meets her, he doesn't know it's her, she introduces herself to him as an innocent, sort of goes about trying to help him in the detective work, they bond, they have sex, so by the time it's revealed it was her all along, it is now after him first, so he is the last barrier between her and it, since she's the one who started the whole thing. I'm thinking the third act is sort of about Paul doing everything he can and specifically handcuffing himself to her to make sure that they, if one of them goes down, they both go down. Uh, It's sort of his whole idea to stop the whole thing. Um, And then, uh, you know, I know that I wanted it to, I think would be better with an ambiguous ending. What I have down as my ending is that it gets them both and where they are found they are, um, it's just sort of a, a macabre moment where they're, it's assumed that they were lovers. There's some sort of uh, heavy line said about like, uh, love does fucked up things to people, something like that. Twas, twas beast killed these beauties. Yes, and ultimately that's true, 
being at love that drove Paul mad and to, to do all this, blah, blah, blah. And love that drove her to do it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but not in the way that everybody assumes. Um, I really like it, but Jay and Paul had sex and it followed. Oh, yes, sorry. So the reason that <laughs> it, Paul cannot see it is because Jay killed it and stopped the... It, she didn't stop the the curse in general, but she did stop it from passing there. Gotcha. So that, okay. that, oh, that like the chain can't extend any farther. It can right. only go back. Right. Sorry, gotcha. sorry. I forgot, I forgot I needed to drop that knowledge. Yes, that is explained to Paul uh, somewhere okay. along the way. Thank you, Lauren. Yes. Cool, cool. And did you say the title of that one, Paul? Oh, that is called It Leads. Oh. oh he flipped the other part. We were all focused on the pronoun and he checked the <laughs> verb. Dang. <laughs> Good. Um, so I like that because Paul, yeah, Paul's the follower. That's mm. pretty good. Follower. So we can do our voting system, or I do have a, uh, I have another idea for how we can decide this today. It is um, a personally invasive idea. Uh, we don't have to let the listeners in on it, but we would have to share some personal information with each other. What the fuck, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like the sound of that, we can do the regular thing. Well, I don't even. I'm going to say no, but tell me what your idea is. I'm so excited to find out what Paul has been wanting to know about you two and roped me into <laughs> this, like, ploy. Um, we're pretty new to this friendship, and so, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's especially... So notice we haven't been recording. Yeah. This is all Paul's plan <laughs> to get the answer to this question from the two of you. Can't wait to hear it. Basically, I was going to say that we write down and show each other the age we were when we lost our virginity and oh, who lost it latest wins because they survived Win. the longest. Okay. Well, that's, oh. that, that I, doesn't have to do with how good the I pitches mean, were, though. I, know, I, think it's, I like when we do fun things with the... With, with I the, think it's a fun... It's definitely a fun, sexy party game, but it's kind of like Mario Party bullshit when it comes to the pitches. <laughs> uh, someone like me ends up winning... We can just decide which one was best and then play Never Have I Ever afterwards, Paul. That's <laughs> All right, fine. fine. <laughs> All right, so we'll go in order. You guys, we, as it works, we can all vote for as many pitches as we liked. If we have a tie, we're doing my thing. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, so we'll start with um, the follow. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's so that's a unanimous. Yeah. That's a unanimous. Yes. Um, then we go to It Followed by Lauren. Oh, yeah. I'll vote for that yeah. one. Oh. Uh, it's another, another four. Another. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Go to It Fell Apart. <laughs> um, is that one mine? Yeah, it's oh. yours. Yeah. I like it. Thanks, hon. Well, I'll throw I it like I'll throw it. Oh, Paul, but, okay. All right, that got a two for two, and two. then uh, uh, I did not ending with uh, it leads. It but, leads, very good. Yes. Yeah. All right, oh, we, got a, oh. we got a three four. We don't have to do the ages if you guys don't want to, but we can do the year. Isn't that the same thing? Yeah, I mean, if we because we don't, I don't know how old exactly all you. I'm got. gonna I'm gonna veto the weird key party game. Okay, we'll but save it for your, Travis. You're out because you yeah. got votes so if everybody else is up for it i'm up for it if you don't actually I'm not post gonna... the age no 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 <laughs> I gotta say it. Okay. all right are i we have ready? my number 
All right. Yeah. All right. You read it wrong the first time? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One, two, three. Whoa! All right! Oh, there it is. Okay. Lauren, yeah. Lauren wins. It follows is the winner. That guy? I like him. Me too. Yay! All right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, I should have just... I should have... I didn't get to play the sexy game. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you want to jump in? I'll hold mine back up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, thank you guys like for it. indulging me in that. I hope I didn't creep out. Um, well, I, I know I creeped you guys out. I hope I didn't creep out too many listeners. Um, oh, but yeah. moving on to more of a fun game that uh, we can all enjoy. I thought for a Halloween episode, it could be fun for us to share our greatest scares. Greatest scares. <laughs> they don't have to. They can either be from real life or they can be greatest scare from a movie ever, whichever you prefer to share. Like the most I've scared someone. Most you've been scared, or or, or that. Oh, <laughs> no, that makes more sense. That was a, that was a weird question. I'm, I, I, I won't gone. <laughs> You just want to brag. <laughs> I scared Lauren you really the longest I ever followed yeah. somebody home. <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. Okay, I'll go. Okay. The my greatest scare was probably the movie The Gate, which I saw on TV at such a young age that I thought it was a nightmare I'd had. Mm. Um so go I don't know, go to YouTube and search for The Gate. Um but there were these little like goblin creatures that were like i don't know six inches tall and very bitey and um they terrified me more than anything for most of my childhood until i saw the movie again on tv or whatever and once you see your your oldest nightmare on like tbs in the 90s it stops being scary pretty quickly um but that was probably the the scariest thing hmm. yeah i'm gonna have to check that out i do remember and this isn't my moment but that did make me recall going out into the living room my stepdad was watching tv and there was just a clip and i still don't know what it's from it's out of context clip of a man with a chainsaw screaming and the camera going around him in a circle like very very fast and he's surrounded by he severed heads and he's just going oh, and i remember being <laughs> horrified when i said i'd be like oh <laughs> changing the channel um and I don't know what that's from. Still don't know what that's from. But it's stuck with me. Oh. Um, so if anybody wants to wow. write in about what that's from, or if I made it up, <laughs> I guess you can. I was going to guess, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. That sounds about Something along the series. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, got, I got mine. Okay. Um, I, uh, I was in my first apartment alone in L.A., and I was still on Tumblr at the time, and I came across that comic that's the, um, it's a Korean horror comic. Oh my god, that comic yeah. is so scary. And, like, and they, like, everyone warned me, like, they're like, oh my god, this is so scary, don't look at it, don't look at it. I'm like, I can do it. That it had the warning about, like, before it, like, if you're pregnant or have a heart condition, turn back now. If you Google Korean horror comic, you'll find it. it yeah, it, only you will guarantee find it. I the American title, I believe, is Have You Seen My Baby? Oh, if that I'm not mistaken. Right. Oh. So I started reading it, and uh, I didn't realize 
Well, I won't say what happens. Don't say what happens. I won't say what happens so Paul can look it up. But the first, the first scary point, um, happened. Mm -hmm. I went cold. I've never been so frightened in my entire life. I went cold. I slammed my computer shut and staring at the opposite wall for a good 20 minutes. I felt it inside my blood. Ah, yeah. I, I've, I've only gone cold a couple times in my life, but that one, I've been the coldest. So that was my big one. That one. Paul, I can't wait for you to see it, and then I want you to let me know, because it's yeah. deeply unsettling. Oh, my. I, I, I haven't even seen it all. I just, like, saw the, the first scare, and I'm like, nope, that's I'm enough. actually, uh, I'm pretty embarrassed that I opened with the little goblins from the gate. Well, I'm going to look those oh, that's up, too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, my mine's along your similar lines, Travis. I have never watched the entirety of the cold open of Scary Movie 3 in my life. (laughs) Because you're scared of the ring. I I get it. Like the face. Once once the ring girl gets her and then someone else walks in and is like, oh, so-and-so. And and then she does a slow turn in in a desk chair. I just saw it at too young of an age the first time. And I haven't, like... Like three times since then, I've tried to watch it, and when it's coming, I'm just like, I don't even want to. Like, that I can't. Is genuinely upsetting. That it, it, that's a good scary movie, though. Oh <laughs> gonna, that gonna... and the first time Imhotep comes to life again in the first Mummy, and he jumps out of his tomb and looks side yeah. to side and then like, shoots oh, yeah. off. That one, as a kid, just traumatized me. I'm gonna yeah. post, even though I love the Mummy, stills of it's all of these film. moments along with this oh, episode. Man. Man, now, the, now I'm gonna look at extra dumb. If they're all right next to yeah. each other, and then mine's just like a you hippo have potato. Okay, well, mine mine is a real life thing, but it's not. It's a dream. I just probably the most the, when thinking about this, the most scared I can remember being is I had a dream. Um, I, I was in high school, and I had a friend Keith Watson, who I have already invited to be on the show, so hopefully he will. At some point. Uh, in any case, I had a dream where I was bowling with a group of friends and I, <laughs> upon the backswing, accidentally let go of the ball and the ball flew back and knocked Keith's head off of his body. And, oh. uh, and then I went and ran over and I held his head in my arms and went, oh my God, I can't believe I killed him or anyone. And then I woke up and I, uh, you know, it took me. It felt like longer, probably just a few seconds, but it felt like a very long time of being like, oh my God, I've killed someone. What do I do? I killed Keith and I'm going to have to deal with this. This is my rest of my life. And, you know, everybody's had those moments of waking up from sure, sure. a dream. But that was that was the most scared I ever was in those few seconds of like my life is ruined and, and I killed a person that I care about. Dang. So, Did you text him when you woke up? I told him about it. Um, like just the next time you saw him? I think I think a while later, but I but gotcha. I was very 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 nice to him from then on, uh, and not that I was ever, you know, to make it right. Paul. To him. I'd like to point out that um, there was uh, some scary stuff in the gate before we got to the little thing. <laughs> okay, you were primed by it. Right. I was already like, oh god, in the closet too, you know. So like, I was just, there was like monsters elsewhere. Um, and then I was also, I had factored in the length of time I was scared. It mm. was years. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. Sure. Happy Halloween. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm excited to see the picture because I'm, ima- I'm actually imagining like Jim Henson labyrinth quality goblins. Like they're not, they're, well, they're pretty good. 
I would put them, you know, if if you had never seen Poltergeist and I showed one to you and I said, this is from Poltergeist, you'd believe me. I mean, I know people who are, you know, were scared by the trolls in Ernest Scared Stupid. And I think uh, yeah, I'm those people, Paul. They're, effect, they're effectively made, you know, they, they did a good, they did their job. Mm. No, uh, I'm not saying that they're not scary. I'm just saying like, I feel kind of like, oh, this movie from the 80s scared me. And then everyone kind of opened up a little bit about real terror. Yeah. <laughs> well, mine was Imhotep, so let's not get. <laughs> That's true. I guess I just like attention. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like maybe mine fell more under like trauma. I mean, it was a nightmare, but maybe not. Nightmares are always scary. Scary. Paul, yeah. you murdered. You murdered your friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it didn't feel good. I don't think I'm cut out for it. But mm. hopefully, we've spooked you guys enough with these tales of terror and i hope that everyone including us has a wonderful halloween before we wrap it up anyone have anything they'd like to plug yeah i'm actually pretty embarrassed this whole time it didn't occur to me that these were going to be coming out in october so this whole time hopefully you have been listening to the theater of tomorrow because we have been putting out our theater of terror halloween special mm -hmm. um the last episode should be coming out this the final week of october so listen to that and if you haven't begin immediately <laughs> and i make uh custom funko pops i have an etsy shop pop that funko as well as a instagram account by the same name i i take requests pop that funko always sounds cool on the mic just so you know i always love nice that in there pops uh jason you got anything for us my girlfriend, Sierra, has a wonderful podcast that everyone should tune into. It's called Fingers Crossed with Sierra Green and Christy Vetter. Um, Fingers Crossed Pod on Instagram. It's wherever you find podcasts. Fun fact about my girlfriend and I, we actually met both working at Halloween Horror Nights. It was an office romance between a Demogorgon and, oh, what is the female character's name? The brunette girl in Nancy. Stranger Things. Nancy. It was Demogorgon and Nancy, and we kindled Aww. a romance. We Nancy. used to work at Universal. I don't know if yeah. Paul told you. Uh, I yeah. didn't get to mention that. I did mention <laughs> you guys doing the Disney LARPing. Disney bounding. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a good time. Yeah, that's right. Nice. I'm wearing my Disney bound pants that's right true. now. That's true. I was thinking about that earlier. <laughs> because it's laundry day, and I've gotten all the way down to my theme park pants. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much for doing this, Jason. I'm really glad we were able to have you on. Uh, you really smashed it with your pitch, which, invasive games aside, probably was <laughs> the clear winner. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I, I the admit, invasive games were great, though. Oh, thank I, you. I, I admit, I, I, I was had pretty strong feeling I was going to win with your with your game, so that's why I agreed to play along. I thought I actually I thought <laughs> I had it in the bag. And Jason, <laughs> the listeners can't see him, but he's way too good looking to have won that game. So that's not yeah, that, that's oh, just thanks. never on the table. Well, I Very am great. a fan of the show. I mean, I've heard all the released episodes uh -huh. thus far, and I just, to be honest, Paul, I feel like whenever I hear yours and especially when you have notes that travis makes fun of you for having the pitches are just very smooth oh. and i was like i need to come in here with notes I got two pages of notes um yeah paul's pitches are always very comprehensive I, I that's one reason i like to slack off on mine is i know i'm never gonna catch paul and i like <laughs> to be kind of like the the fun dad what was the um you know what's his name from full house the funny one i'm like him Uncle joey ah yeah, and you're you're more like uh, you know Bob Saget, Danny Tanner, yeah. And I get which yeah. I guess uh, mm -hmm. 
What does that make Lauren? Oh, She's Kimmy. Oh, oh, Kimmy. Okay. Why can't, can't I be John Stamos? Oh, honey, come on. I love you, but <laughs> okay. let's not. Don't make me. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to keep you hot boxing in that uh, studio any longer. Right. I do know uh, how not great our AC units in this complex are. So thanks mm. again, Jason. Uh, Travis of course. And happy Halloween. And to all a good fright. Ha ha ha. Good stuff. Beautiful. On the next follow-up showdown. This time, our subject is the Matrix series. And today, we've got lifelong BFF of our own Travis McMaster, Mario Cully. Hi, guys. Uh, First-time caller, no-time listener. (laughs) Yeah, Paul, edit this part of the podcast. (laughs) Ha 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 